Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Claire Murphy. This is The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Sometimes, in a world that seems to be nothing but sad and shocking news, you need something referred to as a timeline cleanser, a news story that makes you remember the good in humanity. Mange is curable. And I want to help cure every single mangy wombat in my area of the Hawkesbury. Today, we're catching up with Toby Davidson, the man who's known as the Wombat Guy, to find out how he's tackling an issue in his local wombat population and curing them one at a time. But first, news headlines for Thursday, October 12. Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong has posted pictures on Instagram of her embracing journalist Cheng Lei, who's returned home three years after she was arrested while working in China. Miss Cheng was a journalist and broadcaster for the state-owned China Global Television Network when she was arrested back in 2020 and accused of supplying state secrets overseas. Her surprise release was, according to Chinese authorities, due to her concluding her sentence of two years and 11 months, the Prime Minister saying he had known about her release for some time. Miss Cheng has reunited with her family in Melbourne. A quote attributed to her on a social media account called Free Cheng Lei says, tight hugs, teary screams, holding my kids in the spring sunshine, trees shimmy from the breeze. I can see the entirety of the sky now. Thank you, Aussies. The Australian government has begun mobilising to repatriate Aussie citizens from Israel. More than 1,000 people have been killed in Israel since Islamist terrorist group Hamas launched an offensive from Palestine on Saturday. At least 900 people have since been killed in retaliatory airstrikes on Gaza, with major airlines suspending or cancelling flights to and from Tel Aviv. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announced repatriation flights would begin on Friday, with two Qantas planes taking Australians from Ben Gurion airport to London, where they'll be assisted to get back home. New South Wales Premier Chris Minns has apologised to a group of Israeli supporters joined by opposition leader Peter Dutton. The pair spoke to thousands of people gathered at a park in Sydney's east, where Mr Minns addressed the controversy surrounding a pro-Palestinian march on Monday, where parts of the crowd chanted anti-Semitic slogans, saying Israeli Jews had been targeted in their homeland for one simple and only reason, their faith. The New South Wales government and police have moved to stop a second Palestinian rally organised for Sunday. Organisers will now challenge their right to protest in court. The US Coast Guard and Marine Safety Engineers have revealed that they've retrieved the final pieces of the doomed submersible, the Titan, that imploded earlier this year on its way to view the Titanic, killing all five passengers on board. Officials say along with the pieces of the wreck, they've also retrieved presumed human remains, which will now be analysed by medical professionals to see which of the five victims they belong to. The sub-company CEO Stockton Rush, French Titanic expert Paul-Henri Nagelet, British billionaire Hamish Hyde, 
residing, Pakistani businessman Shahzada Dawood or his 19-year-old son Suleiman. This salvage mission is likely to be the last attempt to bring back any missing pieces of the sub ahead of a public hearing on the tragic events of June 18. Actress Jada Pinkett-Smith says she thought her husband slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars was a skit and didn't realise that it wasn't until he returned to their table. Pinkett-Smith says she thought there's no way Will would slap him as he approached on Oscars night in 2022. The actress saying she only got to ask him if he was OK when they were alone after the ceremony. She's also revealed that at the time of the slap, she and her husband had been separated for six years, their marriage long subject to much speculation. The actress telling People magazine that they'd been doing some really heavy-duty work together and that they have a deep love for one another and are going to figure out what that looks like for them. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. There are two basic types of wombat, the bare-nosed and the hairy-nosed, and they're then broken down into subspecies depending on where they call home. These marsupials are nocturnal and native only to Australia, but back in the 19th century, one travelled all the way to London as a gift from Tasmania to Prince Alfred. When wombats aren't chewing up their favourite grasses and roots, they're burrowing underground in a network of tunnels that can stretch more than 30 metres. Wombats are solid little units. They're on average one metre long frames, weighing in at around 25 kilos, ranging in colour from a sandy beige to brown or black and grey. They can live up to 30 years, with the oldest known wombat in captivity, called Carver, who lived at the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago in the US, died when he was 34 years and seven months old. Wombats prefer life on their own. These solitary creatures, famously pooping cubes and defending their burrows with their incredibly tough rear ends, basically, they plug up the entrance to their burrows face first, leaving their bums on the outside where very little can break through. They are iconic creatures, which many Aussies will admit to never having seen in the wild. But in some areas of Australia, these nuggety little characters are under threat from an introduced parasite that is devastating the local populations. Perhaps the most famous of Australian wombats is one called Fatso, who starred on the TV show A Country Practice in the 1980s and 90s. He was actually played by three different wombats over that time, and one of those, the one who played the role, real name George, between 1986 and 1990, had to be replaced because he started to show signs that he was infected with mange. That same introduced parasite is currently impacting the wild wombat population. But they have heroes in their midst. One of them is Toby Davidson, known as the Wombat Guy, who's dedicated the past eight years to treating wombats across the Hawkesbury, often at his own expense. I never expected so many people, so many thousands of people, 
to donate their hard-earned money to help the wombats of my region. It honestly makes a world of difference for me and for my local wombats. Toby, you're a filmmaker by trade. What makes someone like you decide, no, I'm going to go out and treat wombats for mange? Why you? Oh, that's a great question. I grew up around wombats, so my parents bought a property near Yango National Park when I was born, and I grew up and around the bush, basically, you know, interacting with these animals since a really, really young age. And when I found out that I could help them, help stop them dying from this awful, awful condition, you know, it sort of just became my life's mission. When I brought up this story with my colleagues, they were like, oh, okay, so he must be a vet, right? So that's what he does for a living and he's just transferred those skills over. But you do not come from a veterinary background. How do you learn how to treat a marsupial for a parasitic infection when that is not what you do for a living? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a vet. Most of the people that treat mange aren't vets and don't really come from that background. Most of us are really just wildlife nerds or very passionate people. And the way that you get trained up to do this treatment is through different wildlife organizations and stuff like that that have the permits. So you do need to do some training and, you know, they teach you how to safely do it and what dosage of medicine to do it. But really the big part and the most interesting part, I feel, is needing to understand wombat behavior to treat them. I mean, you can do an online course and it'll tell you use this much medicine or, you know, do it in this way, do it this often. But if you don't get into the mind of a wombat and know how to find it and track it down week after week, it just won't work. So that's the fun part for me is actually tracking them down in the bush and getting amongst it. Well, can you talk to me about that? Because wombats seem to be made up of multiple personalities. They can be really fun, really cheeky, they can be zoomy and they can be cranky as hell and they can chase humans down as we've seen in another viral video because they are not happy with their territory being invaded. Oh, Jesus. Christ. How do you go with, you know, interacting with an animal that could be totally fine with you being there and totally not fine with you being there? Well, wombats are really quite interesting in that regard because like any wild animal, they generally aren't going to cause you any trouble or chase you around unless you give them a reason to. So it's something, you know, I like to call it being polite. So a wombat's idea of being polite is you're not too loud, okay, you don't make a lot of noise, you're not too threatening. Humans are the complete opposite of that, right? I mean, compared to a wombat, we're massive. When we walk through the bush, you know, we break twigs and step on dry bark and stuff and we're talking and it's all loud. That's threatening behavior, if you like, to a lot of wild animals. That's just terrifying. So it's about sort of walking the fine line between trying to approach an animal to help it and also kind of showing it that, hey, I'm not here to eat you. I'm not a massive T-Rex or something that's coming for you. I'm a friend. And most wombats, you know, <laughs> as soon as they realize you're there, they're gone. Okay. They're running away. They're generally not trying to bite my fingers off until I've caught them in the net and I'm actually applying the medicine. <laughs> and that's when the teeth come out. Have you suffered any wombat-related injuries in your time as a mange treater? <laughs> no, I haven't been bit, if you like. They've tried many, many times and I've given them good reason to because I'm 
all up in their face. But, you know, the worst injuries have been when I've been chasing a wombat down and, you know, I fall over into a patch of uh, stinging nettle or something like that. They've never quite got me. Can you talk us through this parasite that is impacting the wild wombat populations? Is it something that's affecting wombats all over Australia? Is it in just one area? Where did it come from and has it been here for a long time? So mange is caused by an introduced parasite called Cycoptes scabii, and it probably came across to Australia with Europeans and their animals. It's a parasite that also causes scabies in humans. So it's the same parasite. But because wombats haven't evolved with it, it's basically 100% fatal when it comes into contact with them. So it eventually made its way from Europeans and their animals into the wombat population. And now it's basically in, you know, most areas where you would find bare-nosed wombats. And because it's 100% fatal, it's really important for us to get on top of it and start treating it because wombats are just disappearing from entire areas because it's just spreading through that quickly and killing them all. What does it actually do to a wombat? So the mite basically burrows beneath a wombat's skin and then it starts to lay eggs and multiply and the wombat's body sort of reacts to this infestation and it starts to lose all of its hair It develops this awful crusting and scabbing all over its body. And these scabs actually sort of come all the way up the body, all the way onto the face. It blocks its eyes and ears, so it's effectively blind and deaf, walking around, bleeding everywhere. You know, they look like zombie wombats. It's quite awful to see. And often they'll die from secondary infections involved with all of that awfulness. If left untreated, a wombat will perish. But With human intervention, we can entirely reverse all of those horrible things and get a wombat back to looking normal and healthy again. How many wombats do you think you've treated in your time doing this? Because you've been doing it for quite a few years now. And what's it like when you have a success story and you see a wombat return to what it was pre-mange? I get asked that a lot about how many I've actually treated. And I always say I need to actually sit down and look at all my records and add it up. I don't know about my entire career, if you like, of wombatting, but this year alone, I'm treating 33 wombats for mange. And I've been doing this since about 2015. It wasn't quite as busy at the start as it is now, but yeah, it's a lot of wombats over the years. And my favorite story of all the wombat success stories was this wombat called Wilma. It was one of the first wombats I ever treated for mange. And I found out, you know, actually quite recently that Wilma's actually a male. (laughs) But Wilma was basically on death's door when I met them. And after quite a few months of tracking Wilma down and, you know, finding his favorite patches of grasses and favorite burrows that he liked to frequent, I just kept at it, kept treating Wilma for his mange. And you wouldn't believe it, but last night, just last night, Wilma walked past my back door to say hello and then toddled off into the bush. And he's looking completely healthy, happy and fluffy. And it just, honestly, it brings me to tears. You know, it's incredible because they don't understand what's going on. You know, they're just a very small wombat in a very big world. And to be able to help them recover like that and give them the tools to recover, it just means the world to me. This must have cost you quite a bit over the years because, as we know, wildlife rescue in Australia doesn't always get the amount of funding that you think it should. We know that you've been dipping into your own 
personal money to treat these wombats, how much do you think it's cost you over the years? Oh, that's some maths that I am not keen on doing, actually. (laughs) I don't want to know how much it's costed. (laughs) But yeah, the story has been whenever I get a new mange report, you know, that's at least a few hundred more dollars that I've got to pay for medicine. And that doesn't include, you know, petrol and all the other equipment and stuff that's involved with treating a wombat for mange. But thankfully, I put up a GoFundMe, I think in July of this year, and it's basically gone viral. I mean, to date, I've raised almost $84,000 for the wombats of my region. So I don't need to work two jobs to pay for this anymore, which is amazing. I'm just so thankful. What can people do if they do spot a wombat that they think might be affected by mange? I mean, not necessarily where you are and contacting you, because if this is sort of a countrywide issue, it might not be on your doorstep. What do they do? So if someone sees a wombat that they suspect has mange and the easy telltale signs of mange are the wombat is missing fur and it's out during the day and maybe it's itching a lot, then they should report it to their local wildlife rescue group or an organization like WIRES. And if you don't know your local wildlife rescue group, you can just Google it. And if you can't find one, please report it to WIRES immediately. And the sooner that you report it with as much information as possible, like what time of day you saw it, exactly where it was, that gives it the best chance of survival because volunteers can come out and treat its mange. You can donate money to Toby's GoFundMe or your local wombat mange treatment team, but if you're more of a hands-on helper, you can get up close and personal with these iconic creatures yourself. If you're someone that maybe lives in an area that has wombats or you've got wombats on your property or something like that, then you can treat mange yourself. And the way to do that is just to get licensed online. It's actually fairly simple. There's a bunch of online training that's out there. The two that I can recommend that I've done are training with the Wombat Protection Society of Australia. So you just send them an email and they'll handle the rest for you. Or maybe if you're someone who's already, say, a WIRES member, then you could do the WIRES Mange Community Treatment Program. So there's heaps of options out there, but anyone can do it. And I would encourage you to if you're willing to commit to it. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.